Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. A lot of different calls coming in this week uh, pertaining to planting and things like uh, setting the planter and seed chilling and and we've been trying to address most of those as they come in and one that's uh, come in quite a bit even today yet has been and uh, does the situation of seed chilling happen as well on a soybean as it does on the corn and the answer to that is yes uh, we do experience seed chilling with soybeans it doesn't seem by my experience anyway it doesn't seem to be near as bad compared to um, what we run into with the corn crop itself but the big thing with the soybean so if we do lose five six percent of the stand due to seed chilling very little effect on yield itself. So a situation where we're losing some of those plants or um, them not making it out of the ground in time it doesn't have a, a, such a bearing, big bearing factor on the yield as it would be if we lost five or six percent of the ears out there that we're shooting for itself. Now of course the seed's going to swell and then it's going to germinate but it's going to germinate at a higher temperature. The soil temperatures are going to have to hit 60 degrees for about an 8 to 12 hour period somewhere there to get these things to germinate. So a lot of guys have switched to soybeans these last few days uh, in place of corn uh, to get around the seed chilling but to keep moving forward and I don't have a problem with that. Our biggest risk with putting the beans in the ground right now is uh, sudden death and we now have the ability to control sudden death so as long as we're looking at um, treated beans. The other issues we have of course is the water molds. How long are those beans going to spend in the ground before they start to uh, emerge and get out? And that's going to be your pythium and your isoctonia. Again looking at the forecast for next week see a lot of mid 70s in that forecast so those beans will start moving in that scenario. I probably wouldn't be sticking in naked beans in the ground in these kind of conditions because you're leaving the door wide open for sudden death and all the other diseases that could attack you uh, in the soil when it's taken us a while to get out. So we need seeds that are protected. We need seeds that get pretty good uh, scores or ratings for sudden death in itself. But no, I would I would rather be sticking beans in this condition than, than to worry about losing you know, uh, 10 or 15% of my ear counts out there in itself. The other question as we went out and set a number of planters the last few days and, and guys are struggling with uh, moisture as far as getting these fields to dry out and stuff and we've used the term a lot in meetings and even in podcasts we now it's time to, to teach the planter to dance and people say well what do you mean by teaching the planter to dance and that, that's the ability to go into these fields that are level so we have a sterile seedbed situation Maybe they were worked or leveled down a week or two ago and have been, have been rained on now and we got kind of a dry crust on top and we're moist down below. And if we go in there and work them again, they're too wet to work, but they're actually dry enough to plant if we stay on top. So when we talk about teaching the planter to dance, there's two things we mainly focus on. That is your row cleaners and your down pressure. So we have a dry surface, we only have to be dry there in that top inch, inch and a half, and what we got to keep the planter on top of that. So many times as I go to set a planter, guys are pushing that dry surface out of the way, and then they're setting the planter in there on top of the wetter soil and trying to plant deeper down into that itself. So one of the first things I would do when I'm trying to set a planter in these tougher conditions is to raise a couple of the rows, raise the row cleaners, clear up so they're not touching the ground at all. So you can see what it looks like if you leave that planter on top of that dry soil itself. The other thing I'd do is I would reduce the back, the down pressure way off uh, to see if, the, if, if you uh, can eliminate any sidewall smearing or slots that you're fighting trying to get this planter to work. 
Once we've done that, then we continue. We go back and add down pressure uh, to the row unit till we get to the point where we can maintain depth. But when you're in these marginal conditions, extra downforce is just going to work against you in sidewall smearing as well as early seed development and growth. So I want to maintain the minimum amount of down pressure. And then I'm going to lower those row cleaners to the point where they're just moving residue and leaving that dry soil in place. And again, that typically we would take three or four rows, put them at different settings so you can kind of get a feel for it. But a lot of times growers are running the same setting they started the season out with or what they finished last year with. The row cleaners are too aggressive, the downforce is too hot, and we end up plowing our way into tough planting conditions. So keep the row cleaner up. Like I said, take it all the way up and you get an idea what it looks like without it and then bring it back down kind of the minimum. Minimum. For the guys with the floating row cleaners, you're probably going to have to put a pin on the bottom side to stop your downward travel when we're doing this. Uh, as things dry out or get a little uh, harder in the surface, you can pull that pin back out. But you keep it floating up but restrict its downward movement. Of course, the guys with the uh, clean sweeps, Again, you can make some of those adjustments from the cab pretty easy uh, up there itself. On the insect front, um, we do have a few things moving around there. Uh, earlier this week, Roger Aarons from the Melbourne area called and said he thought he was seeing flea beetle. When I talked to him on the phone, I thought it was uh, maybe too early for the flea beetle. But uh, just yesterday, here in some bluegrass that was uh, we we're setting up corn planter in, I saw flea beetle myself too. So the flea beetle are out there. Again, uh, we expect flea beetle numbers to be higher this year just because of the soft winter that we had. And if you remember from our bug clinic, we talked about flea beetle is the carrier of Stewart's wilt. So kind of keep an eye on any hybrids you get out there that have a weakness for Stewart's wilt. Not all hybrids are rated for Stewart's wilt, so that might be a problem. If, if you want to make some comparisons, we see some correlation between Stewart's wilt and Goss's wilt. They're both bacterias, and the Stewart's wilt is uh, the, uh, in the stomach of the flea beetle, so the flea beetle is the vector, and as he feeds on those corn plants, um, he's going to infect it itself. Typically, again, about five or more per plant would trigger a treatment. You're going to be a little quicker on that uh, than if you have a poor uh, hybrid as far as poor rating for the steward's weld itself. Um, we don't want it to strip the leaves down, but this is very early in the stages, but yes, uh, they are present out there itself. Another one that's uh, had a number of calls on has been the grub and guys reporting some awful high number of annual grubs out there. Remember the true grub will have a kind of a zipper on its tailpipe uh, uh, where the annual grub has got sporadic hairs on the rear end part. But uh, I was in a field the other day as we were digging and in, in the pressure was high. If you dig in behind the planter and let's say in a 10 foot section digging in the row looking for seed, you come across four or five grubs, that would be a pretty high infestation. At that point, I would probably turn the insecticide on again if you don't have it on. Uh, and our experience has been a T-band is a little more effective uh, of managing the damage from the grub itself. We talked about our April 8th, we had a pretty strong flight of cutworm. We we're still capturing moderate pressures of cutworm, so appreciate you guys calling that in. Right now, heat units where they are, we would project our first cutworm cutting to be around the 5th of May. So we do have some corn up, uh, and uh, it's going to be time to start scouting it for cutworms, especially if there was a lot of vegetation out there. Um, 
on April 8th when these cutworm batch came through itself. So it's time to start looking and, and making sure that we don't end up with cut plants itself. From that, um, hopefully next week we'll, we'll bring some more good planting conditions and we can keep on moving. It's time again to start scouting the stuff that is in the ground and paying attention to it, make sure it gets out. Remember on the back side of this, we always say, hoe before you know. So if you think you got a field that got hit pretty hard with moisture throughout this whole event, and it has to linger in the ground with these cool temperatures for four or five days, you want to get on it pretty quick with your hose. Make sure that it doesn't stress it at all getting out of the ground itself. So I hope that helps you guys. Keep her safe. Keep her moving.